This is Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare from Rock 94.7. Welcome to 13 Questions on Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare. Tonight's guest has music in his blood. His father, Rick Wakeman, is a founding member of the legendary progressive rock group, Yes. Today, our guest currently plays keyboards for Ozzy Osbourne. On top of that, his new band, Headspace, is releasing their debut album, I Am Anonymous, on May 22nd. It is my pleasure and privilege to say, Adam Wakeman, welcome to Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare. Thank you very much, Terry. I'm terrified. (laughs) Well, that's what we go for on this show, brother. Now, Adam... For a band featuring a keyboardist with your last name and resume, your debut album is very heavy guitar-oriented. Have you always been drawn towards that heavier metallic sound? Uh, I think I'm, I'm kind of a frustrated guitar player. I, I was always, uh, you know, keyboards is my first instrument. And I started uh, I started sort of playing guitar out of necessity, really, when I was uh, about 21, 22 years old, when a gig came up where I needed to to um to to learn to play uh, acoustic guitar so i uh, i sort of learned very quickly uh, that if uh, if i played two instruments i got more work so uh, that was kind of <laughs> where my love for guitar came came uh, into it and i always loved um you know sort of zeppelin and, and early sabbath stuff as i was growing up which is obviously very you know guitar orientated um and with this band in particular we didn't really have any preconceived ideas of how it was going to sound you know it it could have turned out like keen it could have turned out you know, like uh, a number of different bands, but uh, yeah, it was pretty clear early on that it was going down the progressive rock route. And um, obviously, with Pete Rinaldi on guitar, it kind of, uh, you know, the, the guitar is uh, is very prominent. Well, with that being said, um, it, with that um, that progginess that, that's all over uh, Headspace's "I Am Anonymous," I mean, was that bound to happen given your musical pedigree? Well, I think we we didn't want when we originally got together. We got into a rehearsal room, and and I told everybody to arrive with no preconceived ideas or or riffs or anything, and just let's get into a room and see how it turned out. I mean, that was. In hindsight, probably quite naive of me to think that it wasn't going to go in any direction other than <laughs> other than kind of frog. But uh, I wanted to just sort of make sure that it was a st- the band started at the same uh, in the same direction and that people weren't coming from different ideas. And, and that way, it developed naturally and and sort of evolved the way it did. You know, there's you know there are a lot of keyboards on the album, but it's not for me. It's it's more about the the sum of the parts and making you know the the best album the right way rather than you know making it uh, you know making it too keyboard heavy for example i mean it's you know it, it's it's about the album as a whole it's not about the kind of you know individual musicianship from from what i see anyway i think it's the you know it's it, this is a band album and, and i think it sounds that way the album's title i am anonymous and I, that, that is a very evocative title uh, tell us what it means to you well i mean it kind of came around by mistake we were trying for I mean, i'm not i'm not lying when i say years to think of what we were going to call this album because we've been working on it for over three years um and it wasn't until, I mean, we had an EP that we released in 2007 called I Am, um, which was, uh, we, we, we didn't really have a, it was kind of I Am dot, dot, dot. So it was kind of, it was invoking kind of, it was something, we are something, but we weren't really quite sure what we were at the time. With this album, which is a more of a, you know, a concept um, album, the uh, the title was the last thing to come, really. We kind of spent a long time, you know, the album concept is, it's kind of a, basically about all of us as individuals and our relationship with humanity and, um, you know, our, the battles we have throughout our kind of lives. Um, 
and we try to reflect that with events and current events of uh, of what happened in the wor- happens in the the world we live in now. The title kind of came, as I say, by a little bit by accident. I think it was um, Damien, the singer, said, you know, how about I am anonymous? Because it's about us all as individuals, but it's not directly about anybody. So it kind of works. And especially with the cover, we've got the back of the girl walking into the kind of war-torn landscape. Um, that's kind of, you know, it's the, the anim- animosity of... You know, the back of somebody as they're walking away as well. It's kind of, it just seemed perfect. It was the last thing to tie the whole album together. This could either uh, really, really uh, give a great deal of joy or, or it could bring the wrath of uh, that, the hacker group uh, Anonymous down upon you. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there is a, I'm just waiting now for our website to just be shut down. Exactly. Know? Either that or, or at your first show, there could be an entire crowd full of people in Guy Fox masks. So, I mean, it could go either way for you. Well, you know, take the rough with the smooth, that's what I say. (laughs) There you go. You're listening to 13 Questions on Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare. Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare is a three-hour metal show heard every single Saturday from 9 until midnight on Rock 94.7-1029 in central Wisconsin and online worldwide at rock947.com. Our interview with keyboardist Adam Wakeman of Ozzy Osbourne's band and his brand new band Headspace continues. Now, we were talking about how I Am Anonymous is such an evocative title. There's another title that really stood out on the album, um, Daddy Effing Loves You. Now, my question is, was that title inspired by your dad or is it was it inspired by listening to Ozzy talk to his kids? Oh, do you know what? No, none of the above, I'm afraid. Um, it was actually from a, a conversation that... Damien had with um, with a soldier that he used to know and live near in um, Guildford in the UK, and there was a big army barracks there. And he said there was a uh, there was a guy he was talking to, um, and he was explaining the the difficulty of being away on a you know on a foreign uh, a foreign tour uh, with a with the army and coming back and trying to rebuild the kind of family life and the frustrations of his kids growing up without him being being present and i think as the evening went on that damien um recalls this story where the guy you know becomes increasingly more frustrated and uh, obviously you know having a few drinks as well he kind of got a bit more passionate about what he was saying and, and one of the things he said was you know he's got his he's got his kid in his arms and he's just kind of crying looking at his child saying daddy effing loves you and it was such a it was such a strong line um, Damien was worried that it was going to be too kind of you know offensive to have on on the album, but w- when you hear the story, I think it actually it does conjure up you know a lot of imagery, especially when you listen to the track as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It, it's a bit more heartfelt than imagining uh, old exactly. Ozzy going, "Hey, Dave, fucking loves you, everybody." Yeah. No, well, I, I, when we played at uh, when we played in uh, London about uh, a couple of years ago, I took my seven-year-old daughter along to the show, and I just completely forgot about the amount of swearing that goes on during the show. Oh! And uh, it wasn't, you know, I, just before the show started, I took to one side and I just said, now, you're going to hear some words that you haven't heard before, um, and I never, ever want to hear you say them. And she, was, she said, yes, that's fine, Daddy. And then the next day, uh, when I took her to school, she ran up to the teacher and she said, I went to see Ozzy Osbourne last night. He said, I want to see you all go. And I, my heart nearly stopped. And she said, I want to see you all go. 
blinking crazy. <laughs> so she, she's wise enough to substitute the swear words, which means she can come to any other Aussie shows. Well played, well played. I have a, uh, a, a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, and uh, that they, yeah, if they listen to Daddy's show on the radio, they, they, they need to take a few things and censor them a bit when they uh, go to school, for sure, for sure. I'm right there with you. Now, um, Adam, you've been touring with Ozzy since 2004. By your estimate, how many times have you played the intro to Mr. Crowley? <laughs> how many times have I played it right? Or, um, <laughs> oh, we must have done, ooh, we did about 100 shows on the Black Rain tour, and we probably did about 90 shows on the Scream. So I would say it's getting up to a couple of hundred times now. I, I would guess so. Now, here's the question, though. Have you ever been tempted to freestyle it and play, like, take me out to the ball game in the middle of it just to throw the crowd? <laughs> the temptation is huge. When that is just a moment to, you know, that is just, just keyboards, the temptation to do something else is just, is huge. It's, it's a little bit like the devil on your shoulder. You've got the angel on one side, devil on the other. The angel's saying, make sure you bring the choir part in at the right time in the middle, and the, the, the devil on the other side's going, just launch into the six wires of Henry VIII by your old man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, play chopsticks. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being, it's, it's a little bit like... Um, when you're somewhere and there's a big red button that says do not press, all you want to do is press that button. It's exactly. a little bit like that when you're on stage and there's 20,000 people. There's a little moment of you just think, I could do whatever I like here. But, you know, ultimately you'd only get to do it once because you'd be on a plane. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's pretty much what keeps this show on the rails is, <laughs> is the need for a gainful employment. <laughs> this is Adam Wakeman from Headspace. And you're listening to Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare on Rock 94.7. I always love it when British guys do the liner. It makes the show sound classy. <laughs> it makes it, makes it sound like you've got some old kind of Victorian kind of... Uh, exactly, exactly. Victorian man doing it. The first guy I had to do it was uh, Barney from Napalm Death, and I just thought, oh, it just sounds classier now. I feel like I'm on NPR or something. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, on Ozzy's most recent album, Scream, uh, that's the first one to feature you as a writing member of his band. Of all the songs on that album that you co-wrote, which one are you most proud of? Oh, I think it would probably be... Um the, the, well, the, the first track that I, I got involved with, which was um, the first, what was it, the first track on the album? God, I can't remember which of the order. We ended up doing, we kind of co-wrote about eight or ten songs, and Kevin Sherker, the producer, who had also written um, and uh, recorded uh, probably 20 or 30 songs for that album over an 18-month mm. period, um, he... Uh, I, I, by the time the album came out, I didn't know which songs were which. They'd been renamed, and it was the most confusing thing. I had to listen to the album to know which songs I'd been uh, I'd been a part of. But uh, uh, so the, my favourite track was the was the last one, which is "I Love You All," which is a which is just I, I play a bit of acoustic guitar um, on, and that came on the last day of recording when I was about to go home. Um, the producer Kevin Cherko said. I want uh, I want a track um, that features these these words that Ozzy keeps saying that at the end of each show you know he says I love you all and he and um, we had this idea of making a making a track of like a little bit of a kind of a, a thanks to his to his audience you know just a little musical interlude and I I had a little a little piece of um, guitar music that I'd written on a bus in Boston on uh, on the Black Rain tour and. Um, 
I've got, you know, all, all the little ideas I get, I just put in the iTunes and then I go back to them and, and sometimes they're suited for other things. And this particular idea I, uh, I called the, the, the Boston Sprangler because it was almost like a little country kind of picking thing on the guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played that to Ozzy and Kevin, and they both loved it. So we worked on that for the extra day. I stayed an extra day and flew home the following day, and, and that became the last track on the album. Adam, everyone who works with the guy seems to have an Ozzy story. And, and then Ozzy stories in quotes is just some moment that you have around him that you're only going to have with, it, with a guy like Ozzy. What is your Ozzy story? How long have we got? <laughs> all the time you need, brother. All the time you need. One of one of the strangest things about working with Ozzy is that is those moments are constant because he's a he's he's naturally Ozzy Osbourne. He's he doesn't he doesn't try to be funny. He doesn't try to be wacky or crazy. He he just is that that guy. And and when that becomes the norm, it's not until you reflect on some of the things that have happened. That um, that make it you know that make it so funny. I mean, um, I remember being in a restaurant with him where that, where um, a chef brought out a food uh, a dish, which um, you know the entire kitchen staff came out. It was like the chef's kind of creation, and and I think he just asked for for some chicken or something or, or a steak or something fairly simple, and it came out in this most incredible ornate you know dish, and it came out and he put it in front of him, and un, you know Ozzy couldn't really see but there were probably 20 or 30 people that have come out of this the kitchen of the, and the staff of this restaurant to see you know to see what he made of it and he just looked at it and just went what the fat <laughs> and this the, you could i looked up at the chef and just saw this this guy's face it was like 20 years of, of training as to be this head chef was just destroyed um but he doesn't you know he just looked at it and went oh okay but, but whereas most people would have a, a kind of a kind of a cut off, if you like, where they would think, "Oh, well, I can't say anything nasty. I'll just say it's really nice." You know, he's just a hundred percent honest the entire time. What he thinks is what he says. It's almost, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a funny, it's a daily occurrence where he says something like that, which is just just makes you laugh. It's a completely alternate reality that you have to live in to be to work with him. I'd imagine. I th- well, I think so. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a. I mean, it's a real privilege. I think of it as a, as a, a privilege to be here and to be working with him. I'm, out, I'm actually out in Los Angeles at the minute, um, just finishing up rehearsals for this tour. Um, and it's just, you know, every day you sort of, you know, you play a tune, you play Paranoid or Crowley or whatever, and, and you kind of think, I, I used to play this in a school band. I used to play this, you know, bands growing up when I was 15 years old. And to get to play in the band with the guy that was a part of that, it's, um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to ignore each time it comes around. Now, in addition to collaborating with Ozzy, you've collaborated with your father, Rick Wakeman, on several projects. What's your working relationship like with him? Is there some creative give and take there, or is he more of the director? With the, I think we've recorded about six albums together, which mainly when I was uh, from the age of about 18 to 26, something like that. Um, to begin with, it was uh, it was he he'd written an album and the label had suggested that that um, I record a couple of tracks for the same album, which was the first Wakeman with Wakeman album. So I just recorded two pieces and they they put it on the album. As uh, as our kind of touring and our kind of working relationship grew, we tended to get a little bit more involved with with some of the pieces. We would tend to maybe write four pieces each for an album and then we'd co-write four pieces, and that's how it kind of kind of developed really. Um, a couple of albums, I think we kind of gave each other solos on each other's tracks to kind of tie it all in. But the majority of the stuff was kind of, you know, I would I would write 
four or five tracks, and he would write four or five tracks, and then we'd do a little bit together. Now, uh, your dad, Rick Wakeman, being a, a prog rock legend, uh, you, you started playing classical piano at an early age. Did you ever go through a musically rebellious stage where you started listening to hip-hop or something like that just to get under your pop skin? <laughs> I think the only thing, I, I remember one tour when, uh, when we were touring around Europe, my dad kind of, he's not a big jazz fan, and, uh, and I did start listening to some kind of, you know, Thelonious Monk and, um, uh, you know, some sort of Dr. John and... Uh, some kind of some piano players I knew would annoy him, uh, so I did do that. But I was kind of, that was late in the day, really. I was about 22 then, a bit, <laughs> a bit late to start annoying your father. Honestly, I would take that over my kids, Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber, any day of the week. That's a <laughs> you see, that's a musical rebellion I can live with for sure, for sure. <laughs> You're listening to 13 Questions on Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare. Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare is a three-hour metal show heard every single Saturday from 9 until midnight on Rock 94.7, in central Wisconsin, and online worldwide at rock947.com. Our interview with keyboardist Adam Wakeman of Ozzy Osbourne's band and his brand new band, Headspace, continues. Now, uh, in addition to his legendary keyboard work, your father was also known be- for being able to rock a cape like no other man. Did you inherit your father's fashion sense, too? Well, some would say fortunately not. Um, but incidentally, the, a couple of days ago, the uh, Aussie band was saying that I should be, uh, I should be looking for a, a cape manufacturer because the cape is apparently on the way back in Prague. <laughs> now, I don't know whether, um, I don't quite know what Aussie would say about that. I think um, that it might result in a plane ticket home. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm game to give it a go. You know, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's get some suggestions. I mean, I'm not sure whether I could go down the, the 70s sequined route that my dad uh, did during um, Journey to the Center of the Earth in 73 or whenever it was. I don't think, um, I don't think that's going to really make a full comeback. But maybe we need to just, you know, bring it up to a little bit more of a current fashion statement. You know, really, with all the comic book movies being the rage these days, you do have a lot more options. You could go with the classic Superman, just straight over the shoulders. There's the Doctor Strange with the huge cowl in the back. I mean, there's... There are options. The only problem when you go into the superhero uh, kind of realm, it tends to involve... Um, kind of uh, underpants on the outside of your trousers so you oh, kind yeah. of that, it's that kind of it's that how far do you go if you stick with just the cape then you can look you know like a 70s prog uh, prog legend or you can go a little bit too superhero which also involves probably many more hours in the gym to get the physique right not to mention the genetic mutations and the cybernetic yeah. enhancements and all that yeah. swings and roundabouts swings and roundabouts it really is <laughs> Adam, what is the most important lesson you've learned about music from your father? Oh, um, the most important lesson was probably, um, well, there's two things. One, in, one thing is to play less is the most important thing, is never, never overplay for the sake of overplaying. Play what's required for the piece or in the, in the, on the album or in that song. Um, that's the first thing that I think I've learned over the years through working with my dad. The second thing, um, and probably kind of most importantly, when, it, when I was very young, I asked him to show me the beginning to, um, oh, it was one of the six wives of Henry VIII. I think it was Catherine of Aragon or Catherine Howard, one of those, one of those pieces. And I remember saying to him, going into his music, uh, his music room, his study, and I said, oh, can you show me the start of this piece? I was only about nine years old, something like that, and, and he said no. And, and at the time, I was really, really gutted about it. I thought, I thought why is he not going to show me? And he said, go away and listen to it, 
and then play it. And that was the best piece of advice because I went and it took, you know, took days and days for me to work out all the notes he was playing and, um, and then sort of learn to play it. And that was the best piece of advice, um, career advice as well, because so many times you're put in situations in studios um, or live where you've got to think very quickly and on your feet. And, you know, there isn't time to start writing things out. You just have to listen to it, work it out, know your intervals, know what you, what you can and can't play over different chords and and be able to put that into practice very quickly so that kind of stemmed from you know him sending me uh, sending me away as a nine-year-old to go and cry into my room <laughs> <laughs> headspace has only done a, a couple of live shows are there any plans for a more expansive tour yes we're going to do um 10 shows in europe in september we're just actually waiting for the routing from a uh from an agent in Europe at the minute just to do it's so difficult to get get the time to that's the only reason we haven't done more shows is because my commitments with Aussie Lee uh, the bass player has been away does um, Steve Hackett when Steve Hackett tours and uh, it bites and we're all kind of busy with different bands to uh, well to you know to pay the mortgage as it were and mm. and as much as we'd like to dedicate more time to um, to headspace touring, it's uh, it's very difficult when we're all uh, you know in different parts of the world a lot of the time. Um, but we have uh, we have sort of scheduled kind of September for getting some shows together, and then talking to Century Media out here in America, the possibility of maybe coming out here in the fall to do some shows, which would be great because we you know we one of the joys of doing of putting this band together. The whole point of it was to be in a band with you know your friends and. Um, to spend time together playing the music you love and you've written. So, you know, it would, uh, it would certainly be a shame if we didn't get to do more shows. Now, uh, Adam, um, I like to provide this next question as a as a service to the metal and rock community because you, you guys have to go through interview after interview with with uh, various dumbass DJs like myself. And and we ask you a lot of dumb questions. So this is your opportunity to, to right the ship, as it were. Adam, is there a question you wish someone would ask you in an interview, but no one ever does? How about, uh, would it be possible for me to come in and sign the 10,000 copies of the album that you've just bought? That would be, <laughs> that would be a nice kind of question. I'll, I'll happily do that. Well um, played. You know, I, I don't mind doing it. I love doing interviews. I think my, uh, I think my wife's always just pleased that I'm, uh, I'm talking the hind legs off somebody else rather than her about music because... Uh, I think I can see her kind of glazing off after half an hour, whereas, uh, you know, doing interviews with people like yourselves who are obviously share a passion for music, you could talk uh, talk for most of the day. Yeah, shop talk. It's great, is it not? <laughs> it is brilliant. And don't, don't feel bad. My wife does the same thing. I get to talking about radio, and she's just instant tune out, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Well, that's great, man. Uh, that's Adam Wakeman, keyboardist for Headspace. Like them on Facebook. Follow them on Twitter, at Headspace Online. Check out their official webs- uh, website, headspaceonline.com, and make sure you pick up their debut full-length album, I Am Anonymous, when it hits stores and the Internet on May 22nd. Adam, thank you so much for being on Scary Terry Saturday Nightmare, man. My pleasure. It wasn't that scary after all. <laughs> yeah, well, false advertising, I guess. Thanks for calling any time, and uh, yeah, well, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get to pop into your station sometime. Sounds good, brother. Take care. Cheers, Terry. Bye-bye. Later. And thank you for listening to 13 Questions with Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare. Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare is a three-hour metal show heard every single Saturday from 9 until midnight Central Standard Time on Rock 94.7, 1029 in Central Wisconsin, and worldwide online at rock94.com. 
You can find Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare on Facebook. I'm Terry Stevens. You can follow me at TerryRock947 on Twitter. Thanks for listening.